Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. This is episode 41, The Parable of the Talents. Hello, hello, hello. We're just two normal dudes trying to live this Jesus life. My name's Josh. Hey, I'm Andrew, and we are This Jesus Life Podcast. Josh. Andrew. How you doing, How man? goes it, my friend? I'm doing pretty I'm good. I'm doing well. Yeah. I can't oh, complain. We're talking at the same time. My bad. My bad. I, uh, it's okay. I'm glad yeah. you're doing pretty well and that you can't complain because nobody likes complaining, man. You know? It's no fun. Well, like, I think we talked about this in an episode. My ultimate goal in life is to be able to sit on a park bench and complain all day about everything <laughs> uh, as an old man, and it'd be socially acceptable. <laughs> yeah, that's I fair. Think that'd be fun. That's fair. You know, um, do you ever think about things like if you hit like 85 years old and you're in good health, like you might just take up smoking? <laughs> <laughs> just become like pack a day smoker. Yeah, those things you just always want to do i'm gonna smoke i'm gonna smoke crack smoking tobacco um, i didn't I'm mean crazy you know, drugs 24 7 uh, uh on a little bit of shrooms just for fun oh my gosh uh, no i haven't thought about this thing yeah well you're thinking about them now well, they and, say like and i can tell you're thinking so highly of you're you're going a little more intensely than I did. I meant like a pack of Dave cigarettes, not not like I'm going to try out all the drugs right now. <laughs> I'm going to go really nuts. I mean, you went there. It is what it is. Well, that's my thing is like, I don't want to smoke like that. There's no part of me that's like, oh, I wish I had a smoking habit. But if they're like, hey, here's all these new experience with different kind of drugs, especially like the psychedelic ones. Um, do you want to try them? I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I'd be intrigued to do those things. <laughs> You're like, I've lived a good life. I can so uh, kick the bucket at any point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny, man. I think that's where yeah. you get at. But they, they tell you all, you know, all the smart people tell you all the, the benefits of the psychedelic drugs um, and how it opens all the different brain waves and activities so you think on a higher level, which I don't really want to test right now because God's pretty clear that I need to stay of, of conscious mind. Um, but might be okay with doing it at 85 where you're just like, you know, if I die, I die. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know, man. I don't think it probably will change. His commandments probably won't like change around that stuff. But, you know, as we sit here in our thirties, it's, uh, you know, we could look at that and say, Hey, why not? When I'm 80, but that's a long yeah, time away. 85. My goodness. I know. I know. Who knows? That is a long ways away. Dude, I, well, this is like a downer bit of a note, but my daughter fell at the park and had, uh, this was Friday night, fell at the park when we were on a walk and had these plastic binoculars around her neck and they hit off the ground just in such a way that she split her lip pretty significantly and had to get three stitches Friday night to like stitch it back up. Oh, it was, dang. so it's been a little bit of a brutal weekend. Like that was, that was rough, man. Yeah. Like 
Yeah. Yeah. That was rough. Urgent care, holding your kid down while yeah, they the problem, do all that. The problem was, with that is like, oh. yeah. Well, it's the face stuff where like, there's so much blood involved in face stuff that probably freaked out pretty quickly right off the bat. And she would like actually hold your daughter down she, as they fix her. Yeah. She, yeah, it was, that was the one part of it where she was really freaked out when she first fell. She was like, Oh man, you know, like nervous. But then she was like a total champ until actually like in the doctor's office. And that had to happen of like wrapping a tight in a blanket, AKA straight jacket and like numbing and stitching. And it was just, Ooh, it was brutal, man. It was brutal. So yeah, so it's Sunday afternoon right now, and I'm just feeling like, hey, it's finally like a weekend day. It's been that kind of weekend uh, where it was pretty intense. So you have any fun this weekend? Any stitches or <laughs> dramatic experiences? No, no stitches, no traumatic experiences for me. Good. Um, actually, a pretty chill weekend. I have a fair amount of work I have to do for different things, so it's been a busy weekend that way, but yeah. Um, in general, pretty pretty low key over here in the great state of Colorado. Well, good. There's great parts, good, of man. It. There's other parts that aren't great. Where you're like, oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> ah, that's I just funny. read about. I was no, thinking you were going to say like, other states that are like open and fun. I read about other states that are easing lockdown. Restaurants are back mm-hmm. open. They're still wearing masks, but mm-hmm. for the most part, economy is back to normal, and that's not us. Yeah. You know what I, I really want to do? I just want to go sit in a coffee shop and work. That's it. That's all I ask. Yeah, and I can sit and in a coffee shop for that, hours on right? end, drink coffee, eat whatever little snacks they have, yeah, and then work. But you can't do any of that. Like, yeah, you could, I guess, technically. Yeah. I don't think the employees are going to kick you out. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they only have three tables for the whole place and you're going to take one of them for hours on end. Ugh. That's not fair. So yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. It's frustrating because the problem for me is like when I get so stuck lame, on problems, yeah. um, like something I'm trying to do and I don't mm-hmm. know how to solve whatever, uh, I need to, I need to change environments, um, to get my brain rethinking, mm-hmm. um, about, and I can't do yeah. that. So now I've, I've managed to move from my office to my dining room table and that's my move. Um, that's how I'm trying to change the environment so I can keep working. <laughs> uh, it's not working so well. That's funny. Yeah, I I get that. I feel like sometimes I just have to change days almost to like figure out a problem or have a different solution to it. But yeah, I'm with you when you can actually change environments. That's nice. I would encourage you next time you're in that mm-hmm. spot uh, to just trick your brain. Be like, hey, we're, we're not changing environments today, brain, but have you ever eaten a raw potato? And then just take a bite of a raw potato and chew it and swallow it and be like, all right, environment changed <laughs> or a raw onion. You know, just really go nuts, man. Eat some weird food. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's pretty intense there, my friend. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd be able to pull that one off. I do have raw potatoes right now um, because <laughs> yeah. I plan on making uh, a Cajun little Cajun, whatever seafood stir fry cook thing. It's not a stir fry. It's nice. I don't know what you call it. When you put things in, in a, in a, like a gumbo, a, um, you think of a gumbo aluminum envelope. And throw them. 
Man, I'm not, I don't even know what the word is for. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you just put it on your barbecue and you just let all the juices like simmer on each other. Oh, like is. a hobo pie. <laughs> yeah, like a I know <laughs> an aluminum envelope. What a funny way to I say know. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, consider eating it raw. That's what. That's all I'm saying is uh, take everything you would have cooked and season it up, and just eat it raw. You know, change of environment, real quick. It's fair. It might. It might kill. I don't know. Is is uh, shrimp bad to eat raw? I I would assume it's pretty sure it is. Kind of bacteria in it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. But as you know, I've been watching. Your advice might kill me. I'm just. It might. Yeah, consult your physician first, you know, but the potato, I'm sure that's fine. You could eat a raw potato. Uh, dude, I've been watching Survivor. It's adorable you think I have a physician. <laughs> consult a doctor, call somebody, and just double check it with them. That's my turn. <laughs> I'll call my insurance and they'll put me in the right direction. Call your insurance and be like, can I do this? Be like, sir, you you know we're not your healthcare <laughs> provider. We just pay for your stuff, right? Um, no, man, I've been watching survivor and they have to eat some wild stuff on there. And I often, often find myself asking like, how are you not getting sick eating the stuff raw? Or maybe they do get sick a lot and they're just not showing it. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. So yeah, consult a healthcare provider. Yeah. Didn't they get in trouble at one point for it all being a fake? No, that was, um, that was Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls. Yeah. Because he was like sleeping in nice hotels yeah, and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. He was totally faking yeah. it. Dude. That was a turd move. Which, like, if he just started it that way and just like, here's a disclaimer, disclaimer, no one would have cared. Right. But the fact you tried to pull it off and say it was you know, presented in a way that was something that's not. Right. Like that's when people get up in arms. People don't like to be lied to. Right. I agree. And you I would assume yeah. politicians leaders would have realized that by now like people don't like to be lied to but you know they haven't they're still trying to get away with those lies right. and it's just not working well it's like part of the job description for them because when that you lie know? comes out and you know, uh-huh. your followers were that's true um, but like when those lies come out and your followers you know have believed it for so long wee, that's a that's a rough one to come back from yeah 100 percent Dude, um, this is episode Dude. 41. So we're talking parables? We're talking parables. 41. Parable of the talents today. Pretty excited. That's you true. excited? Well, and let me retell it. And I'm going to retell yeah. it yeah. in the form of the message, uh, paraphrase version, uh, because it's a long one. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 25, 14 through 30 today. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can always download one uh, right there on your smartphone that you're probably listening to this podcast on at Bible app. And then you have the Bible right there in the, in the pocket of your hand, in the pocket of your hand, in the hand, in, in your hand, <laughs> what two, what two analogies that I just put together? I don't know, dude. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, you can find a Bible. It'll be all right. Um, but that's what we're going to be. We don't read, um, the entire verses on this, uh, podcast. And the primary reason for that is we think it should be read in relationship with Jesus. So Jesus can speak to your soul. Um, so we want you to do that on your own. 
Um, so take some time and read Matthew 25, uh, the parable of the talent, or your version might call it the parable of the, the gold bags or bags of gold, something like that. Um, and read through it and kind of, you know, ask Jesus what he's trying to tell you through that and how you, how he wants you to um, apply those, those verses to your life. And then continue that conversation uh, in prayer and, and continue uh, allowing Jesus to speak and you to speak to Jesus. Um, so that's why we don't do it here, but we'll definitely give you kind of a big overview picture because we want you to be able to understand, you know, really and follow along what we're talking about in this podcast. Um, but if you want to pause it, go read it and come back. Hey, that's more than acceptable because, um, well, you're in control. You have the power of the pause button. Uh, you can do whatever you want. So here it is, the parable of the talents. Jesus tells this story. It says the man calls all his servants together. Um, he delegates some responsibilities. Uh, he gave one of his servants $5,000, gave another $2,000, and another $1,000. And make those numbers are just putting today's time frame. We'll get into exactly how much that money is when we get on the podcast, I would assume. But uh, And then he left, sent them off, and um, had them invest that money. Uh, the first servant came back and he doubled the master's investment. He went from 5,000 to 10,000. Uh, the second came back and he um, did the same. And the third man came back with a single thousand that he dug a hole for and carefully buried inside the master's money because uh, he didn't want to piss off the master. Um then we see the, the master's response to those stories or to those, those um, activities. Um, the first two, the master praised for their work. And the third one, uh, he rebuked uh, the fact that he did nothing with it. To the um, one servant, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That Those verses may sound familiar because it's the same verses, uh, the same terminology or, or string of words that uh, we see uh, at Judgment Day. Um, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And to the one he rebuked, he said, you wicked, lazy servant. Uh, what the is wrong with you? Okay, I added that part. He just said lazy servant. Um, so you knew that the harvest uh, that I that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not uh, scattered seed, then... Um, well, then you should have put your money on a deposit with the bankers and known that you've returned, um, at least returned the, the investment um, from that money in the bank. <clears throat> uh, and it's really just him taking a shot back at, at his own statements to the lazy servant statements to the, the master. Um, but that's kind of the story of, you know, and kind of boiling it all down is what do you do with what God has given you? Um, we'll kind of look at this probably from two different perspectives, I would assume. One of just the gifts and talents God has given you in this life and what do you do with those things and how do you multiply those things? And then also from a salvation standpoint, um, what God has given you through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, um, the salvation from your sins um, and a restored relationship with, with himself. And what do you do with that? Um, but yeah, so that's it in a nutshell, Andrew. Hope that was helpful and not too distracting. Uh, and no, I don't think that's Scott great. Called him a piece of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You might think he did because you said it. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> well, you bleeped yourself. No, but that was the intent, right? The master's like shocked. Like, dude, you, you did nothing. You hid everything I gave you. That was, that was worthless. And, uh, because of that, you're going out. You're done. So, um, so it's definitely harsh, but uh, 
Yeah, man. Thanks for retelling that. I thought that was good. Um, I wanted to say I read an article which you and I talked about, uh, more like somebody's just thoughts on on this. And uh, one thing that was helpful was that the author was saying that in this time, a talent is actually just a weight of money. You know, like they would weigh silver or, or gold or copper or whatever their forms of currency were. Silver. Which Andrew and I went back to, that's what we should go back to. Yeah. Like there's yeah. just something, there's like a, there's a flex in that mo. Like yeah. Ron, Ron Swanson, like you said before the episode, we're able to tell you how much weight, you know, how much yeah. weight of gold you own. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I got a ton yeah. and a half of silver. That is a good flex. It, and it'd be nice to just be like, Andrew, you did some good work. Here's uh, an ounce of gold for the week. Like, Oh, sweet. Ounce of gold. All right. Um, but yeah, man, they were saying, so the author of that article was saying that a talent of gold would have been worth um, 6,000 denarii, which a denarii was like a normal common coin. And that was kind of defined as like, if you did a normal day's like labor in the fields, like picking corn or whatever you're doing um, for a farm, you'd be paid one denarii. So it was like a talent is a significant amount of money um, for sure. So it's not like, Here's five bucks. I'm going to go away for a long time. It's more like, hey, here's here's a hundred thousand dollars of my money. Uh, here's you know quite a lot. See what you can do with it. I'll be gone for a while, and I'll be back, and I expect to see what you've done with it when I return. So, um, but the problem, not even the problem. The thing about that is that you can see kind of the like money talk. And like, oh, the the good servants doubled what they had, right? The one with five talents, the one with two talents, they both doubled it. And so you could be quick, and I'm sure some have been quick to say this parable is just about money. Um, if you are in God's will, he will double your money. You know, like that, that could be a conclusion you draw from this if you read just this story. That's the kind of Christianity that I like. <laughs> Yeah, that's your style. No, but what do you what do you have to say about the yeah, like, right about the person who who reads or hears this preached on and just hears the version of if you're in God's will, He's going to double your money, uh, prosperity gospel. You could say what What do you say about that, man? What do you think about that? Yeah, uh, I could see where you get it from. I get it. Um, the problem you're running into is it's old covenant thinking. Um, blessings and cursing doesn't exist on the new covenant. Um, so living God's way and living inside God's will doesn't mean it's going to lead to blessings in your life or curses in your life. Jesus actually says the opposite. Um, leading leading this Jesus life um, is going to lead to your persecution, um, not because of you, but because of their hatred for, for Jesus himself. Um, so like, it just doesn't exist. Um, old covenant, you know, that the Jews were blessed when they lived in accordance to God's ways and were cursed when they weren't, um, and cursing came, um, in the, not just the forms of famine and those types of things, but also in, in the forms of being conquered by, by other nations. Um, yeah. and it's easy to, to find yourself in that line of thinking. Um, the problem you run into is under the new covenant, we don't, we don't see that way of, of living it. Like it just, it's not there. Those, those ideas, those principles don't exist anymore. Um, Jesus's sacrifice fulfilled a lot of those things. Yeah. And it's, 
That's a good thought. And it's like a old covenant in the form of like tit for tat. Like you, you commit one sin, you have to kill one dove. Uh, you have to sacrifice one dove. You, uh, somebody hits you, you have to hit them back with the same amount of force, tit for tat, right? Um, or the same idea of uh, you do one good thing for God, he's going to give you one more dollar, one more talent or whatever, you know, and that's just not, that's not the reality. Um, so you remove the the just look at money aspect to where we said you could go down this road of like prosperity gospel almost and think that the story is just about money. Um, when you remove that, um, I think there's some cool things that you, there's a lot of good things you can pull out of this. Um, I'm quick actually to jump to looking at this. I know talents is a, a weight of money, you know, from back in the day, like we talked about, but I'm quick to jump to this and say, how has God equipped you personally to be a part of his kingdom? Um, whether he's given you skills of leadership, made you really smart, made you really giving, made you naturally a super caring person. Um, maybe he's, you know, given you one of the big spiritual gifts, the uh, apest, apostle, prophet, evangelist. What's the other ones? Um, whoa, dude. Did you hear that crash? Preacher. Oh, thanks. Yeah, what was it? That? Okay, so it's been... I know this is a tangent, but that was probably like 50 pounds of ice and snow falling off my roof just now. Like it's, it's finally warming up and melting everything. And we had so much snow built up that it's become like ice sheets and stuff on, on top of the roof. So whoo, I've been having a lot of that, like, dude, did the dresser just fall over? And then no, it's just like a huge amount of snow. It is terrifying, but I'm glad it's melting. It's been very cold. Um, Good that, you know, warmth is coming. That's nice. It is. Spring is coming. Spring is coming. You were talking about talents. Yeah, yeah. The perspective of yeah, I've actual just, talents and not necessarily the weight of measurement. Yeah. Like the, like, so for instance, God has made you, I've heard you preach a lot of times. Um, I know you're a very good communicator, very good teacher. Um, so I assume that that comes with some responsibility in God's kingdom. Like if he equips people in certain ways, he expects different things from them. So that's how I often look at this is, oh, he gave somebody five talents. That doesn't necessarily make them any better than the person who got one talent. You know, Um, God's not saying that you should try to get more and more talents. You should try to have more and more great skills. No, but doesn't matter if you have five, one, two, 13, whatever. It's like God still expects big things from you. He still expects you to take whatever the skill set is that you have and work it towards his glory and his kingdom. Um, doesn't matter if your skill set is bigger or smaller than other people. Um, expectations are still the same, that you're going to do something with what he gave you. There's a lot of ways I think we can apply these <clears throat> this parable to our lives. Um, I think another way that it gets applied and at least in context of how scripture has put it together, whether Jesus told these stories back to back, we don't know for sure, but we'll assume that he did. Um, you know, he comes out of the parable of, of the 10 virgins, which is essentially, are you prepared? Are you ready for, for Jesus arrival? Um, and then into the parable of the talents. And then finally into the parable of separating the sheep from the goats. 
which just proved that right-handed people are better than left-handed people. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but, but it's all, it's all judgment. It's all judgment day verses. Um, so in this example, we can apply this to salvation. So, and we see this a lot through, through Jesus ministry and and applying this from a kingdom perspective, you know, those that have received a lot from God would be those that have were far away from God, um, that lived in, in maybe even direct rebellion against God, um, didn't follow God's ways, didn't follow God's life, did not call God Lord, um, live this life selfishly and how they wanted to, uh, and then found themselves encountering Jesus and finding salvation. A lot was given for that yeah. salvation. There was a lot of sin mm-hmm. that had to be forgiven. And then you have on the other side of the spectrum, um, the Jewish leaders of the day, which you know dr- Jesus directed a lot of these parables to because they're the ones asking the questions um, of, you know, these, these men and, you know, they live the, the, the moral life. Like they obeyed all the, the commandments of God. Um, on the outside, they look like great holy men. Um, their hearts were far from God as, as Jesus points out. But um, so that was kind of this thing of like, you've been, you know, yes, you weren't given tens, you know, of thousands of dollars or tens um, of, of talents, weights of talents. Um, but, you know, what was given is still important. And yet you've done nothing with it. You know, he's provided you salvation, but you've, you've, you've squandered it. You've, yeah. you've focused on the wrong things and you haven't multiplied into others. And that's, that'd be the argument here is the fruit of the multiplication would be how many others have come to know Jesus and, dis- and were discipled mm. into maturity with Jesus so they could do the same with other people. Um, so there's that side yeah. of it too. And I think both go hand in hand, right? Like you are given talents in this world and, and gifts, what we call spiritual gifts from God. And you know, what are you going to do with those things? Are you going to squander them? Uh, and, and not do anything with them or use them for your own personal benefit. Um, I would argue if you, you know, if you believe um, that, that Jesus is Lord and you've confessed that with your mouth and believe that Jesus went to the cross and died and, and was rose, rose again, you're, you're, you're saved. Um, Romans tells us that. Um, so your salvation secured, but um, you know, how much are you missing out on? Um, and I think for the last individuals here, it's, yeah, you did everything right. You did everything according to my law. But that's not the point of all of this, because you're still you've still sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. You're still separated from me, and you tried to do this on your own, rather than coming into relationship with me and recognizing who I am and what I've done, and found forgiveness and and restore you know restoration of relationship with God the Father. Um, and you miss out on all that. So now you're, you know, what we see in the next parable is the sheep and the goats. You're separated from God for, for eternity um, because you never yeah. had relationships. The yeah. only thing that changes, the only thing that saves you um, is, is the relationship with God. <clears throat> so I think there's that piece too that plays into this. And I think we often, we often miss. Um, and the other part of it too, like going back to the first, you know, topic of conversation of old covenant, like the other side of this is like, <clears throat> Um, I could be a part of a community that does a lot of great things. Um, you know, I, I had a conversation with a friend not that long ago. We were talking about the United States. And this individual made the comment, um, well, you know, if we keep going down these paths, you know, God is God is going to remove his blessing from the United States. And I said, yeah, that's, that's just not a thing. Right. Um, God right. doesn't bless and curse nations anymore, not a, at least not in the same way that he did through the yeah. Old Covenant and through uh, the Jewish nation, you know, the covenant changed. It's now individual. So we look at these three individuals and collectively they did a fantastic job, 
right? Like collectively, they kind of knocked it out of the park. Um, they were given eight talents collectively, and they turned those eight talents into almost doubled 15 talents. Um, like that's that's a pretty good return. Um, but that's not the point of, of the parable. I think the point of the parable was to illustrate, um, at least one point of the parable was to illustrate that, yeah, this isn't a collective thing anymore. You're not able to say, well, God, look at all the things that my church did. Um, yeah, I gave money to the church, and then look what they did with that money. Um, but that's not the point of the parable. The parable, is, the parable is, is individual. And I think this is bringing that new covenant thinking, uh, what Jesus was was bringing in through uh, his death and resurrection on the cross to fulfill the old covenant, um, was, was this idea of it's now individual. It's not what did you do collectively. It's what did you do as an individual. Um, so we, we've talked a lot, uh, you know, on the podcast about the great commission, you know, Jesus said, go into all the world, baptizing that baptizing, you know, people of all nations, um, t- teach them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I butchered the beginning of that, but you get the point. Um, and that's not a, a collective commandment only, you know, yes, that's, that's the command to the church. That's what we should be doing, but it's also the command to the individual. And that's what you're going to be held accountable for. Did you go make disciples? Did you baptize disciples? Did you, excuse me, disciple them in the Jesus ways um, to follow Jesus and find maturity and hope? And if you didn't do those things, like, yeah, that that's on you. You're, you're going to be held accountable to those, uh, to your actions. It, it's not a matter of living the perfect life of if I sin less, I'm a great Christian. That's, like that, you're not going to find that idea. It's going to be, did I live out the great commission as Jesus commanded me to? Um, did I multiply myself into other people so others can find hope, salvation, freedom, and restoration in relationship with God, uh, and then help them do the same with other people in their life? Like, was that what my life was about? Is that how I was reproducing it? And if you weren't, like that's that's going to be a rough day on Judgment Day. Um, that's going to be a rough day when you're held accountable for how you live this life. Um, not saying your salvation is going to be removed. I, I would argue if, if you know, you have a, a Romans 10 life of you or a Romans 10 salvation story of, you know, you believed and, and confessed that Jesus is Lord. And you believe and confess he is who he said he was and did what he said he was going to do was, which was die and, and come back. Then your salvation secured. Um, but, when Paul talks about living this life, and even Peter talks about living this life for the next, this is what he's talking about. Like, what are you investing in um, that's going to pay dividend mm. uh, in the next life? And that's people. That's relationships. That's are you helping people know Jesus, follow Jesus um, themselves, and then reproduce that process in other people? Um, and if that's what you're doing, then great. You're not going to park. You're either the first or the second uh, of these servants. But if you found salvation yeah. and kept it to yourself— you're in, a, you're in a rough spot. Mm-hmm. Jesus isn't going to be happy when you stand before yeah. judgment. And you're probably going to be like, you're probably going to be taken back of like, oh, like I didn't, I didn't realize that, that this isn't what he meant. Um, yeah. But we're still held accountable for it, right? Like just because I didn't fully understand something because I didn't pursue relationship with Jesus for Jesus to teach me those things. Like it's still on you. But oftentimes that's, our response would be like the third servant's response. Well, God, like this is all yeah. your fault. This is my fault. Yeah. Like you, you yeah. wanted all this. I mean, or, or I just exactly what you're uh, what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Uh huh. I was sorry to cut in. I was just saying, or just saying, like, yeah, I didn't. Or it's your fault, God. But or just, man, I I didn't want to risk anything. I didn't want to risk potentially losing what you gave me. 
So I, I hit it, you know, I didn't want to risk it, losing that 10 bucks you gave me because I know that you really would be ticked about that. And it's like, yeah, but I was gone for a year and I gave you that and I expected you to at least have done something or tried, you know, um, I wish you would have at least taken a shot, uh, in any way rather than just hiding what I gave you, um, and living a scared and sad life in the in-between, um, you know, where I come back and you're sitting there saying, well, I'm, I'm terrified of you, master. So I did nothing for you the whole time you were gone. You're like, wait, I was gone nine months, <laughs> you know, it's gone two years. I was gone 2000 years, whatever. But how often, like how often that's the view people have of God, mm-hmm. that God is this, this vengeful God just waiting for you to screw up so he can strike you down. Yeah. Um, like for a yeah. lot of people, that is, that's the, for a lot of Christians, that's the view of God. Mm-hmm. And no, like Jesus was sent to the cross to restore relationship. God is a caring father. Um, God, like God should be the place that you're constantly turning to when you screw up. It shouldn't be like, oh crap, I screwed up. Where's God at? So I can watch my back. It should be, oh crap, I screwed up. Where's my dad? Like I need my father in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to, I need to rush to him. I need him. Like that's the Jesus life that, that God restored through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. Like that's what we're, we're chasing totally. after. And when we have that view of God. Mm-hmm. We're confident, right? Like I'm willing to risk everything yeah. because I know my God has my back. Yeah. I'm taking care of my salvation secure. I don't have to worry about any of those things. Um, and not only that, I have a hope in life and a freedom in life that I want others to experience as well. Like that's a big deal. Um, like yeah. there's a group of guys I meet with as, mm-hmm. as we kind of walk through this discipleship journey of, of what it really means to be a great commission church and to live this out. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of them w- kind of went on this, this, um, pathway of just like, I want people to experience, um, what, um, I've experienced through Jesus, not necessarily for Jesus sake, but for their sake. Um, and granted that's a little, that's a little twisted. And that was the point of what he was trying to make was, you know, this is why I'm doing this for what their benefit rather than for God's benefit. Um, which I would argue it's both. And that's what he was trying to argue, which is kind of stating where he was at. Um, but that's, that's part mm-hmm. of it is like, am I living this Jesus life in embracing the gospel in such a way that I have a hope in a, in a future and I want others to experience that same thing. Um, and then we get to live in this protection of relationship with God uh, and try all these things. Like I get to, I get to chase after people and let them experience these things and see uh, my life uh, multiply itself from a Jesus perspective into others. And granted, it's not about me; it's about Christ, and that's where we want to get them to. But it starts, you know, in the story with with you as an individual. Um, what are you manifesting, or what are you representing to to the the people around you, the individuals, and are you investing in their lives relationally for the sake of them knowing God and, and deepening that knowledge and, and relationship with God? Uh, I think is a big piece of this as well. I do too. And, uh, and man, one good thing about this in the story, it's kind of like a set. Here's what happened. It's cut and dry. It's like 10 verses, 15 verses total. But, um, so it's like one had five, one had two, one had one talent. Um, and then the master was gone for a while, came back. What'd you do with it? You know, pretty simple thing, but, uh, are pretty straightforward, I should say. Um, but reality is uh, you and I, (laughs) as long as we have breath in our lungs and the judgment day has not come, uh, we're standing up, we're alive and judgment day hasn't come. 
maybe you're listening to this uh, and you're like, yeah, I'm in that kind of scared space of saying, well, I don't want to risk anything uh, because then I could risk maybe doing something wrong in my pursuit of Jesus or in the way I'm leading people to Jesus. So instead of leading anybody towards anything, I'm going to do nothing and just very quietly have my own personal relationship with the Lord and never say anything to anybody or let it influence my life in any way um, that's visible to anybody else. So basically you're living scared and saying, this is just going to be in a little compartment of my life. Now I'm not the judge. I'm not God. So I don't want to say you're going to heaven or hell. It's not my place, you know? Um, But I know as you and I have talked about a lot of times, you're not living the full life that you could. Um, you're not living fully into the kingdom. You're not living fully into the gifts that God has for you, um, whatever those gifts are. But the good news is if judgment day hasn't come and you still have breath in your lungs, you don't have to just stay more like that third servant who just kept the one pa- one talent hidden underground. And then the master came and judgment day was there and he brought it back out. You don't have to do that because mm-hmm. you have the free will to choose you know, am I going to follow God differently today than I did yesterday? There's hope in that. You're not just this person set in stone, even though it might feel like you've been set in stone because you haven't changed in your relationship with the Lord in a long time. I've been there. I, I get that where it feels like, well, this is just a part of my life now. This is just a part of my pattern now. And yeah, I'd like to change it, but it feels like that'd be really hard. No, man, there's always hope. There's always hope. If, you, if you're if you live and Judgment Day hasn't happened, the book isn't sealed, then be a part of writing a new story a little bit, you know? Um, ink is fresh, you know? Um, I don't know what other analogy I can use, but all I'm trying to say is there's hope. You don't have to just stay right where you're at. Um, you can choose to start following God in a different way at any time. And you don't have to become a Billy Graham overnight and become this amazing evangelist. You know, I feel like we often um, might elevate the role of pastor or preacher higher than we should um, as Christians in the U.S. We we might look at like the mega influential pastors and think like, wow, they're just like, they're on the pinnacle, you know, and maybe they are, maybe they're not, but uh, I don't think God called everybody to be pastors. I don't think he equipped every Christ follower to be pastors. I think that he equips people very uniquely with talents. Um, so if, if you're an electrician or a school teacher, it doesn't matter. God can use you fully in his kingdom where you're at. If you're a stay-at-home mom or work in marketing or you happen to be a pastor, um, God can use you fully and seriously for his will, um, regardless of profession, regardless of skill set. And the beautiful thing is there's hope that you can be used differently tomorrow uh, in God's kingdom than you were the last day, month, or 10 years. You know, if you've been living in that kind of scared version of Christianity. Yeah. And like, that's one of the reasons we started this podcast, right? Like, yeah. this is where hope lives, you know, this is the statement that shows up on, on the website. Like, we looked at Christians um, that we know, and, and some we see from a distance, and we didn't see a lot of hope. 
We didn't and hope this, you know, defined as a level of joy, regardless of circumstances, uh, a level of adventure in their life where they're investing their lives in, in other people and, and um, staying true to the core of relationship with, with Jesus that, that sustains them in those pursuits. Um, and because we didn't see that, we, we wanted to start to speak to it. And that's kind of one of the reasons we started this podcast is we want to help you find hope again. And, you know, part of that for me is it's the John 10 life. And you've heard us quote this a thousand times and we'll probably quote it a thousand times more. Um, but I want people to have life mm-hmm. and have it to the full. I want Jesus's promise to them to come true. I don't want it to feel like um, everything's being stolen. Um, everything's being killed off as, as the enemy does in comparison to what Jesus does in that verse. But oftentimes it feels like the enemy's winning. And I think that's I think that's the the primary issue is what Andrew's talking about, is we're not living this life out. Um we, we may have found salvation somewhere along the way. Um, you know, maybe it was a church camp, maybe it was a, a service, uh, maybe it was a friend that taught you, uh, maybe you picked up the Bible one day and, and you started reading it and you you came to know this this knowledge of God. However you came to salvation. Um, but then that salvation became extremely personal. Maybe, you know, you brought it up once and, and someone persecuted you for it. So you just shut up about it. You're never going to bring it up again. Um, but there's a part as you journey with Jesus that it becomes so, Im- so uh, important to your life. Um, the fact that Jesus is a part of your life, that it just starts to ooze out. And we get back to that, that um, first Peter verse of be ready to give an account for why, the, for why you have the hope that you do. I mean, that's what we want to help people find. And it comes with, yeah, there's some risk involved. And yeah, it takes, you know, getting uncomfortable um, to live out the great commission as Jesus commanded you to. But the longer you walk with Jesus and you start digging into the emotions of that, and it's not just a facade of relationship and you're not just living out the religious practices of going to church and, you know, taking communion and um, reading your Bible from time to time and praying before meals. Um, all great things, um, all important things, but useless things if they're not built on relationship with Jesus. Um, they're just religious. And this was, this was Jesus' words to the Pharisees. You do everything right. You look great. You look like a dead man's tomb on the outside. It's beautiful. Or, uh, on the outside, you look like this, yeah. this perfect you know, casket, but on the inside, it's just dead man's bones. You're missing out on so much relationship. Um, and this is a part of the problem of, of probably the Christian church today is we're really good and. and you know, I'm as much part of it as anyone else. We're really good at teaching you how to be good Christians, um, but we're not good at mm-hmm. teaching you how to be in relationship with Jesus. Um, and if that's and if you miss that step, everything else is done in vain, right? You know, I think we quoted this verse last week. Yeah. You know, John fit or yeah, John 15. You know, and Jesus says, "Abide in me, and I'll abide in you, as I've abided in those verses." And He says, mm-hmm. "Apart from me, you can do nothing." Yeah. And that's the point of this here. Apart from Christ, you can't do anything. So focus in on your relationship with Jesus. So if you're sitting where Andrew's just kind of yeah. described, of like, what what do I do now? It starts with a relationship with Jesus. Start a conversation, um, what we call prayer in, in the Christian world. Um, pray, asking God and just having that conversation, open the door saying, God, this is how I feel and this is what I'm thinking about and this is what I'm scared of. Uh, but God, this is what you've called me to and I really want this. I just don't know how to get there. Can you help me get there? And then let him shape and mold you. Um, and then, you know, as he commands you to do things, do those things. As he commands you to stop doing other things, stop doing those things. Um, focus in on other people in the relationship um, and let let that start to foster. And you'll notice as, as you start to live that life uh, of true uh, relationship, you end up in this place where like, yeah, I want to tell people about what's going on. Like, 
when I see my neighbors on both sides of me, one, I know one, you know, couple, I know better than the other couple, but I'm just looking for opportunities of like, Hey, can I tell you not? Cause I want to convert them. Not because I need another notch on my belt. No, because I'm like, man, I have something that I think you really need <laughs> right. uh, and I'm not seeing the fruit of what I have. So I don't think you have it yet. And I want to introduce you to it. And we call it yeah. Jesus and his gospel. Yeah. Um, and, and there's that piece of it of like, where is this going to go now? Now I do relationship with them because I want them to come close to my life. I want to share my life with them so they can see the hope that I have. But if I hold it all to myself, I don't engage people. Yeah. Um, I don't you know, go out of my way to foster relationship. How the heck are they going to be able to see it? They're not going to see it from a distance. Right. No, they have to see it right in front of right. them. They got to, they got to see it with their own eyes with, you know, with my life in front of them. And they're not going to see it when we don't spend any time out, out you know, together or outside we spend our time on the porch when it's nice out, but um, however you spend that time, are you creating relational environments so mm-hmm. people can see your life up close? And if you're not start there, um, start a relationship with Jesus, foster that relationship, start creating relational environments around you so people can see your life. Um, your kids on sports teams, hang out with the parents on the sports teams. Easy win. Your kids are in daycare. As you see, you know, different, different families invite them over for, for dinner. Cause guess what? You're going to have dinner anyways. Why not have someone else with you? Yeah. You're like, but Josh, then I have to come up with conversation. It may be awkward. Yeah, that's true. It might be, but that's okay. Um, yeah. Like, it's going to be awkward from time Just to go time. back it's always through awkward the episodes. And, uh, yeah, just go yeah, back go to our episodes, episodes, listen to the first five of them, and uh, you can just rip off all our questions. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what, what I, we man, did. what I hear you, you them off from say someone else. is just, yeah, exactly. Most of them. Yeah, we did pretty much. Um, but yeah, just try to live out, live out this Jesus life fully in your everyday life and be intentional about looking for ways that you can build relationships where you're showing people your, just your honest life, you know, um, where you're showing them, Hey, this is who I am. And here's why I am who I am. His name's Jesus. And there's a lot to it, but uh, but he's good, and I want to show you his goodness, and I want to get to know you in a sincere way because you're somebody who I don't know if you're. You know, you look around, and you're like, there's no, there's no, um, like, you know, little marker that people wear that say, oh, that person's a follower of Jesus. You know, you can't visually tell, but reality is, um, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, you really want everybody to be. There's not anybody you should look at and go. Well, I hope that guy never gets well, to Jesus. Uh, I hope yeah, they should know the secret handshake. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you're not supposed to say that on the podcast. Like if they don't know the secret handshake, then yeah, then I'm not supposed to say what it is, but you're allowed to talk about it. <laughs> oh, that there is the actual you can say there is one. Yeah. Oh, I, then, I get it. I didn't realize that was, a, yeah. you just can't show it. You yeah. That's like hesitations it. three, seven or something like that. Hesitations three seven. Ah, that's funny. Uh, Bible jokes. Um, <laughs> Is it three seven? I think it's three seven. Yeah, yeah. I think it's three seven. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but just live out your life in an honest way, and and invite other people in, and look for ways to invite other people in. Man, I got to be at house church this morning because it's Sunday, and like we were talking about. A lot of things are just not normal still because of all the COVID stuff, at least here in Pennsylvania. It sounds like they're in Colorado too. And um, the reality is like our church, there's not that many people that are going 
physically to services right now. There's quite a few that are still just watching online. So a group of us kind of said, well, let's just do this as a, as a group of people, you know? And, um, Man, this morning we finally got there. Janet and I and kids were, I don't know, 15 minutes late. We were a little bit uh, stressed out. It's it's hard to get a newborn and toddler out the door. It's like, you know, one step forward, two steps back sometimes. Like literally put a shoe on and then both are off <laughs> two minutes later. It's like, what is going on? Um, but it felt like we got to church. We got there to the house, house church. And man, just the the chance to have like a refresh and a reframing and like a, I don't have to worry about whatever I was worried about before for a little bit. I can just be in community and in real relationship with people who love me and love Jesus um, in that opposite order. It's just mm. good. It was just like a breath of fresh air. Um, and the reality is watch the sermon, listen to as much as we could. But the most important part was at the end where we just took a minute and said, okay, so what's going on in everybody's lives and how can we pray for each other? And then we prayed for each other. And it was like a little chaotic, Mm -hmm. kids running around, people eating food, people not, whatever. But we had to just be in relationship and in community together. Now, we weren't using that moment to like evangelize the neighborhood. You know, it was like a small group, maybe 10 or 15 of us in my, um, in-laws home. And, uh, and that's okay. Like there's moments where you can just have that in group. We are Christ followers. We're celebrating him. We're spending time together in community, um, kind of refresh and reset. We do that once a week through house church or regular church. But, um, but man, I look around and I'm like, everybody's so lonely right now. I want everybody to have that level of community. Like my, my neighbors, uh, my physical neighbors, I want them to have that level of community. I'm pretty sure they don't. You know, I see cars that come and go out of their driveway. My other neighbors across the street, they're still uh, only seeing people, you know, v- outside. Uh, they they haven't been with their own parents for months and months. And when they were, they were like, you know, sitting outside 10 feet apart talking. I'm just like, man everybody's lonely right now. I want them to have the level of community that I got to have this morning that I get to have every week, you know, um, just truly knowing people, sharing meals, sharing laughs and praying for each other, um, having our kids play with each other. Like I know COVID makes a weird time, a weird, uh, made this a weird season, but man, the reality is like, I want to invite people into that. I want people to not be lonely. I want people to not, um, feel isolated. I want them to feel hope. I don't want people to look around and go, will this ever, this world ever be what it was before? And I don't want people asking that question. I want them saying, man, I have more hope now than I did when COVID started. You know, that's what we need, man. We need the gospel to be more prevalent and and real in people's lives. Um, and we need to be ready to invite people into, into our lives so they have a shot at that. Because COVID's just one more kind of chink in the in the armor of the normal U.S. church model that, um, I don't know, has made it hard. But the reality is there's still a lot of real Christ followers living out this Jesus life. And there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus at all or have a bad view of Jesus that could be invited into it. So um, 
I don't know, man. I just want that for people. I don't want people to be lonely as a start. I want people to know they have hope. His name's Jesus. So a little bit of a tangent, but uh, that's, that's yeah. what was coming to mind. Well, yeah. And to kind of piggyback off that, it's not really related to what we're talking about, but I think it's worth saying. Um, like there's also this piece of, uh, of what fear can do, right? Like I think this is why we see you know, the prophets and leaders of Israel throughout the ages and God constantly saying, you know, don't be afraid, um, mm-hmm. you know, be courageous in, in, in faith with me um, because fear is that powerful in our lives. Like fear has separated relationship, family relationships uh, in our world because we're terrified of COVID and, and what COVID may do. Like security is important, but it's not the most important. Um, the security is a lot further down on, on the food chain than, than we realize. But, um, when, cause when fear takes over, man, you become helpless. Um, like when fear mm-hmm. takes over of like, oh man, what are, what are my neighbors going to say if I, if I invite them over, who cares if they tell you no or yes, does it really change anything? No. Um, but it might open a door for them where they're like, holy crap, I didn't realize there was a completely different life that I could have experienced, right? Like it's these little things of like, man, why am I scared of this? Why am I scared of, of how I'm going to be accepted? Or why am I scared of um, a pandemic? Um, sure. Our pandemic's scary. Yeah. But my God is sure. bigger. I'm not really worried about it. Um, like, He's greater than all these things. We can still function um, in this Jesus life um, amidst pandemic and amidst restrictions. Um, we can still do these things. And we're missing out on so much life when we choose fear and separate us. Because that's the goal, right? Like the enemy wants to separate you from any type of community you have. Because at that point, like things yeah. just start falling apart. This is why humanity needs other people. Like remove yep. remove Jesus and Christianity from the equation. You put someone out in the woods all by themselves and they're going to go crazy. That's just, that's what happens. They get yeah. these wacky, crazy views about reality. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and their life starts yeah. to deteriorate and fall apart. That's just, that's what, that's what happens because people are designed for relationship and we're designed at an innate, an innate level because this is how God has created us. One to be in relationship with him and one to be in relationship with others. Uh, and when we miss out on that, we miss out on so much high, so much life and so much hope. And then we end up down these spiral circles where everything is, is kind of falling apart for us. Um, and you know, maybe you're sitting and again, this is another tangent that probably doesn't fit, but I'm going to go down this tangent anyways, because I think it's worth saying, Hey, tangents encouraged. Um, We're good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you're listening to us and, um, you know, you've grown up in the church and somewhere along the way, the church hurts you. Um, the leaders of the church made a decision, um, something happened, whatever, however it played out, but you're carrying a fair amount of baggage. Um, and it's really hard for you to swallow the idea of Christian community because you assume all Christian communities the same. Um, now, is there truth to that? Probably to some extent. Um, we're all broken individuals and hurt people, harm people. That's just, that's the reality of life. Um, but you walking around with that pain. Um, you walking walking around with that hurt, um, you walking around with lack of a better term, but unforgiveness, um, yeah. you're just going to cause the same harm to people around you. It doesn't change. You're just going to reproduce it. Um, so my encouragement to you is you got to dig into it. Um, you've got to dig into um, the pain that you may be feeling. You got to dig into the idea um, and the ideas that you know you probably need to forgive. 
Uh, and forgiveness isn't, um, it isn't a matter of figuring out who's right and who's wrong. It doesn't matter. No. Uh, forgiveness is a tool mm-hmm. for you to move on. That's why Jesus gave it. Yeah. Um, you forgive other people, sure, for their own sake, but a bigger part is for your own sake. Um, you've got to let it go. You can't let it consume your thoughts all the time. Don't get me wrong. I've had plenty of experiences in my life, um, and even recent experience, where the church leaders have harmed me. Um, and I could hold on to the grudge mm-hmm. of that and hate the church and go after those individuals and, and get out there and say, here's all the lies that they've said about me and let me share the truth. But what does that do? It doesn't yeah. help anybody. I can also look at it and say, no, hurt people hurt people. That's just what happens. Um, I could have easily been on the other side of the table and done the, the hurting. Um, like I'm no different than they are. I'm not any better than they are. But we, we get in these cycles where, no, 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 I have to be right. And I have to be seen as right. right. And I have to be seen as the moral authority. And then you just destroy what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to live under unity. And you know what living under unity means? We've said on the podcast, we take the hit. I choose to take the hit for the sake of relationship. Uh, because that's that's the Jesus way of living this life. It's the only way that this works out. I mean, it's the only way we continue to be the hope of the world, the, the church. Um, you know, we are the bearers of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, why wouldn't we want that? But if we're constantly bickering at, at, at arms, chasing after harming others that we're supposed to be in unity with, like we're in a rough spot. Um, that's a bad day and we're not going to get anything done. And then we're going to be focused on the wrong things rather than focus on the God things, which are, are we sharing this hope with the world and helping them mature in that relationship with Jesus so they can do the same. And if that's what we're chasing, we're going to have a great life. But we so focus on, let's draw some lines in the sand and say, you're evil. I'm, I'm good. Um, you're bad. I'm better. Um, and then we end up nowhere. We end up accomplishing nothing. We get to the, the judgment day. We get to you know standing before Jesus. And then we're like, and Jesus is like, what were you doing this whole time? You've wasted so much time on the things that don't matter. Um, I told you what to do. You're I like, told yeah, you to live well, I, life, I had to. You know, the Great Commission. <laughs> Yeah, I had to bury it. I well, because I didn't want to mess it up, Jesus. I didn't want to. I didn't want to take this life you gave me and waste it or miss the mark. I didn't want to, you know, try and lose all of the stuff you gave me. So, well, I put it in a hole. Uh, but here's everything that I owe you. Here's my life back. You know, and it's like, yeah, that's that's. I I think the tangent works, man. I think it ties in because. I think God has expectations that everything that he gives each one of us, that we individually are going to use it for his kingdom in the most honest way we can. And we're not going to do that perfectly. We're not always going to double our gifts or double our money or any of that. There's no guarantee of just perfect success. But I really think that at Judgment Day, we're going to be asked to, to give an account of what we did with the lives we were given with the finite lives we were given the 85 years, maybe if you take up cigarette smoking at 85, like we talked about, uh, or maybe hundred, maybe it's, maybe it's 30 years, maybe it's 25. I don't know how much life each, each one of us has given and we can't know that until it's done, but I'm positive that we are, there is expectation that comes with the life we were given of what, what'd you do with it, Josh? What'd you do with it, Andrew? And it's not, what'd you do with it, Wesleyan church or Baptist church or Catholic church? What'd you do with it as a whole? It's, Hey, as an individual, what'd you do with it? 
because uh, I gave you some gifts. Did you use them? Did you try to use them? Did you hide them in a hole? Uh, what'd you do? And, you know, it's not not really about just the individual effort. There's a lot of grace that comes with that. Jesus is at every step ready to lead you in the next right step, to give you the strength for it, to equip you with words through his Holy Spirit. God doesn't just say, go and do this all on your own. He says, go and do it in community. By the way, here's a lot of my words in the Bible recorded to help guide you. Here's community. Here's prayer. There's a lot of ways you can understand God's will and live it out. You're not doing it just alone. But if you just hide it in a hole, uh, you just put the treasure down there so that nobody can steal it, then everything you have is probably, <laughs> that's probably not the way you should use it. I'll just say that. Well, and it's probably not how you should use it. Yeah. And, and the other part of this too is like, you have to pay attention to how the enemies works, right? Like he's a prowling lion. He's, he's seeking out to kill, steal, and destroy you. And it's not as right in front of your face as you realize. It's, yeah. you know, past harm and this victimhood or this victim mentality. And it's just holding you down. You never experience anything because you can't forgive and let go. Um, you can't move on from, from past harms in your life. Embrace them, feel the, feel the hurt of them. I'm not saying shove it down, um, deal with it, but find, get to a place where you can forgive. Um, it's the same thing with, with so many different avenues on it, just not for forgiveness. It's the fear that takes over. Um, and we don't live out this Jesus life because we're terrified and we let the, the fear of our lives, you know, win out. There, there's so many different ways that the enemy tries to kill, steal, kill, 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 steal, and destroy you. Um, so be on guard for those ways to make sure that nothing gets in the way of the hope that you have in Christ and the commission that he's given you to live this life out um, for the sake of helping others experience what you've experienced. Um, and it's an individual mandate. Like, I don't get to sit, like Andrew just said, I don't get to sit and say, well, collectively we're doing great things. I may be playing a small mm-hmm. part in that, but collectively we're doing great things. No, no, no. It's an individual mandate of what did you do with the life God has given you? What did you do with the harms, the pains, um, the the misfortunes that came? Um, did you turn them to allow God to use them for good? Or did you sit and just um, bask in them of like, woe is me? Um, what about the great things of your life, the successful things in your life? How did you use those things for the sake of the gospel and the sake of living out this great commission? Um, or did you, you know, hoard all those things for your own desires and your own wants? You're missing out on so much life. The Jesus life that he promised us is this life of the full in abundance. It should be a life full of adventure, a life full of relationship, a life that I get to invest in all these different people around me for the sake of the gospel, not just for community. Though community is important, not just for relationship, though for relationships important. We do it for the sake of the Great Commission. Am I introducing people to Jesus so they can experience the same thing that I've experienced? I want them to have all this. You know, when when you have a group of believers that's all about community but misses the mission, you have a group of friends, good friends, but they're not living the mission. They're missing out on a massive port. Or you have a group of believers chasing after the mission, but there's no deep relationship or authenticity. You're missing the point. Um, we're missing out on so much life. You you find yourself in these silos um, that are so hard to get out of. It's not up to you. Um, it's up to Christ, as, as Andrew just say. You know, he tells you at the end of the Great Commission, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful truth. Um, do you apply to our lives? But um, 
you know, there's something we're supposed to do with that, that relationship. It's not all about me and what I get. It's about what I'm giving um, to the kingdom and for the sake of the kingdom and others' lives. Um, if I live out the Great Commission fully, individually, um, then I get to experience that full life as Jesus promised me, um, a life full of adventure. Dude, let it be so. Andrew. Let it be so. Let it be so. Thanks for listening to our show. It really means a lot to us, and we hope that it helps bring you closer in your relationship with Jesus and with other people. And it also helps us out if you rate our podcast or leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can also follow us on Instagram and the Facebook. Now, sharing this with your friends isn't just to get the word out of the podcast. We believe that we have the message of hope that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you sharing this has the ability to transform the lives of the people around you. We want to hear from you. You can email us at hello at thisjesuslifepodcast.com. You can message us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can just visit us at thisjesuslifepodcast.com. But seriously, thanks for listening.